0: Welcome to Deprogrammed. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, and I'm very excited today to be joined by Sarah Higdon. Hello, Sarah.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Sarah is the host of her own podcast, which is just called the Sarah Higdon Podcast. Is that right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, you can find me on um, Apple and Spotify as well, other than YouTube, and it's under Transform to Freedom.
0: Oh, Transform to Freedom. Thank you. So we'll yeah. put those links in the description. Um for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Sarah, I, I did get to appear on Sarah's show, but I had was getting over COVID and I, I blacked out. I don't remember anything. I had brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've already seen that, uh, this will all be new for me. I me talk about the same things with you, Sarah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, it's 100% fine. Now you weren't getting over COVID though, when we were in Texas together. So
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got, that was fun. Uh, it, was so we, it was so much fun. It was
1: fun. We realized we are like the same person. So
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, what, what? What was that one place? I took Sarah to the woke part of Austin, which is pretty. A lot of it's all of Austin, but I took her specifically to Congress, which is the most woke part. And we went in this one place that had an AOC shrine with all these. Yeah, they candles. had the candles.
1: They had all the candles. Yeah,
0: it was really creepy. <laughs> But we did a, we did a, my thing is to, I like to ask questions innocently. So I, I went up. they had one of the Nancy Pelosi candles, like a, a saint candle, like, and I went up and asked them, do you have this with Trump on it? This is cool. Do you have it with Trump on it? And the guy's like, no,
1: <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, oh.
0: so do you have a, why don't you tell anyone uh any one of members of our audience who are not familiar with you a little bit about yourself and why you started doing a podcast
1: yeah so um well my background i graduated college and i spent seven and a half years as a logistics officer in the army um after i did that i moved uh, to atlanta uh If you can't tell, I am a transsexual, so I've transitioned in the last few years, started realizing that there is a need for somebody to kind of combat some of the craziness that we've seen in this community. So um, getting out on camera and kind of being out here and being a voice against that has really been what's motivated me. Um, But politics has always been one of my bigger interests as well. So... um, I, I try to talk about all of that stuff as well. I have interviews because I just like to talk to people. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I just come on and have people come on and have a conversation. It's so much fun.
0: So you call yourself um, transsexual? Yes. Is that and that's different? Is that purposefully you're not calling yourself transgender?
1: Yes. Why, yeah. Why so um, I think the term transgender basically started to come out in what 2016 and that's when we really started seeing the the community become kind of crazies um, transsexual is the term that you actually are diagnosed with gender dysphoria and you begin to you know take hormones and everything like that to transition um in the community, transsexuals have been more ostracized because we do believe that you have to have gender dysphoria to uh, tr- to be trans. Um, and I've even con- gone out quite a bit and said, you know, this whole new non-binary thing like that, that is not trans. That is using the trans moniker, but it doesn't fit with what the term trans used to be. So I actually fight against using the umbrella term that like, they like to call it of transgender.
0: So when you say... It doesn't fit with what trans used to be. What do you mean? And and what do you mean by gender dysphoria?
1: So gender dysphoria is what the old DSM term used to be for the mental disorder that is um, essentially feeling that you're the other sex than that you were other than what you were born as, um, and so it's diagnosable by a therapist and. Um, it used to be what was used before you could even get on hormones you had to be have a di- have a gender dysphoria diagnosis. Um they took and it out of the like, DSM5 recently though. So. Just
0: so I'm clear I always I always heard the shorthand for gen- gender dysmorphia. <laughs> Did you just drop your headphones? <laughs> yes. We're good. <laughs> even with that less technical problems in my first episode. So <laughs> uh <laughs> what was i say i would say the the shorthand version definition i always heard for gender dysphoria um was kind of like body dysmorphia and i mean different be. in the, in that you look at yourself and you don't what you see doesn't represent what's you you want to see on the inside is that right or is it like Correct. feeling like you're born in the wrong body um
1: i don't like the term feeling like you were born in the wrong body um but I guess that's kind of the best way to describe it because when you look in the mirror – because saying that you're born in the wrong body kind of assumes a delusion. I kind of hate when people say that trans people are delusional when it's actually quite the opposite. If I look in the mirror, I have anxiety over the stuff that I know I don't like, the stuff that doesn't allow me to pass as a woman. So that is what gives me dysphoria. That It gives you – and and dysphoria can be more or less just the symptoms of depression and anxiety, um, over not passing the way that we think that we should, or looking the way that we should. It's, it's similar to a body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times though, even by dysmorphia, somebody could think that they are super fat, but they're anorexic thin, you know, they look in the mirror and they see something that's not there. So it's almost the opposite of that.
0: Okay. And when you said before that, um, for example, the non-binary, is is a departure from what trans used to be. What do you mean by that?
1: So, um, well, like this whole term of rapid onset gender dysphoria meaning that you were you were never dysphoric until you ter- hit puberty and then you started to get like uncomfortable with your with you, your body going through puberty. Um you never showed signs of it and everything like that. That used to be considered a myth in the community because um it used to be widely known that this is something that you were born with it was something and it's widely known that there was um hormone imbalances in the womb that have created your brain to function to develop the way that it was in the womb and that's kind of what carried you through most transsexuals that i know have stories they knew something was wrong at the age of four and i'm no different i mean i try to dress on for the first time when i was four years old nobody knew and i even knew then that something was different about that you know i was self-aware
0: this aligns with some of the i haven't read a lot of research about it but i've read some and it aligns with some of the stuff i've read that said it uh gender dysphoria mostly affected young people as young as you know two to four and it was mostly biological males mostly boys Is that lineup? Is that correct? That's,
1: uh, yeah. Throughout history, transsexualism has been mostly males. uh, And recently it's this whole new woke uh, non-binary and everything like that has really been spiked in females. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's a number of reasons why this could be. but it's really interesting to see that a lot of these new people that are coming out are females and they're coming out as non-binary and it's basically a self ID assessment because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're transitioning at all. Some people just go and they have their breast removes, or it's like almost like anybody that's gender non-conforming is now uh, coming out as non-binary because they don't feel comfortable in the basically the stereotype roles of their given sex mm-hmm. Um, but they don't necessarily feel like they're the opposite sex either, so they're not going to transition to the opposite sex. They might do stuff like again have double mastectomies or have surgeries, but they won't start hormones or and all this different stuff. It's like that's where this whole gender is a bi- or is a spectrum has kind of run amok because it's really if you look at it how they use it, nobody is male or female. Nobody's man or woman, because nobody fits neatly in, you know, any of those given sex characteristics, like the stereotypicals. And it's really interesting because they fight against sexist stereotypes, but that's what they use to define man, woman, and everything else. Mm. Um, Like the whole thing that happened on uh, Dr. Phil with Matt Wall, she asked them to define what a woman is, and they couldn't define it. it's up to the individual to define it and what's really interesting is if it's up to the individual to define it then it means nothing because it can mean anything to anybody yes so um but if they were to really go through and admit like what it means it would be they can't admit it because it would be based off of sexist stereotypes yes not based off of biology
0: isn't it weird in that way? I've, I've been thinking about how the trans part of social justice activists, the trans part of that ideology has sort of come to this place of just reinforcing the, the so-called sexist stereotypes that the third wave feminists used to be fighting against. So now you've got this mm-hmm. weird schism where you've got these third wave feminists who are called um, TERFs, trans-exclusionary yeah. radical feminists because they believe biological sex is real and some of them are more like uh, they push against having trans women in spaces for women and things like that so they get called turfs and then you've got the more like fourth wave intersectional feminist uh, TRAs they're called trans rights activists
1: who activists, or, oh, yeah, trans radical or yeah trans I think it's trans radical you can say trans rights. I not I, I always yeah. say trans radical, but
0: <laughs> I'm gonna say that.
1: <laughs> because they are it. It's very radical. It's kind of like social justice warrior, right? It's yeah, a radical
0: term. So how do you think this evolved? I mean, how do you, as someone who well, well, first of all, let me back up. i i ask a personal question. If I get too personal mm-hmm. at any point, you can say I don't
1: know no, I'm an open bad. book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see again, I figured I'm in a pretty much open book too. I'm like, yeah. you could ask me almost anything. <laughs> Um, so at what point you said you were around four years old when you first started having, um, these symptoms of, of gender dysphoria, at what point did you decide to transition? And at what point were you made aware of like all of this, this ideological battle that's happening?
1: So it's that, I mean, that's a really, that's a good question too, because my story has been a long one, um. I knew early on in my life that something was different. Um, but I didn't even start taking hormones until I was 31 years old. Um, and so the process to go through there was a long and confusing process. So, cause once you hit puberty, it was really interesting because I'm also bisexual. And so I was into girls, but I was envious of girls. Like there was a part of me that always wanted to know what it felt like to be a girl. And I always felt right. And that's what I always would imagine and stuff like that. And so going through puberty was a really confusing time. Um, And I guess I was, if I look back at it, I could say that I was interested in men too, but I never admitted it even to myself at the time that I was interested in men. Um, it Kind of same thing going through college, it was just something that was suppressive. Um, and at, then as my mom would say, is that I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do as a male. Um, so I joined the army when I got out of college, hyper masculine um, career I was gonna, field.
0: I was gonna ask, <laughs> is that is that just me noticing that there seem to be a lot of trans people who have transitioned from male to female who were in the army?
1: No, that's not just you, because it was interesting, because even early on, I'm not even in my transition, I had, because I was, had always done a lot of research on this, even though I never, like, went full and acted on stuff. But you start to realize that uh, the studies have shown that there is a higher population of trans people in the military, trans and LGBT people in general, in the military, or in dangerous jobs like police and firefighters, than there are in general population, so it's like what one percent of the population, where it might be like three percent of the military. I, those are just stats made up, but that's uh... why do
0: you think that is? You said you were trying to prove something, or is like hyper masculine? Or
1: so I think that there is a couple things you're trying to you're trying to hide it from yourself, you're trying to trick yourself, and you're trying to do something that um, is hyper masculine um, and trying to be this person that you're supposed to be, uh, almost overcompensating for what you actually feel inside and then i also think just being in the military at that point i was never suicidal but i always thought you know if i die i die and this never comes out about me Mm -hmm. you know type thing and so that was it was something that it was it was like okay but like i said i've never been suicidal but it's something to look at like that's one of the reasons why people might join some of those fields is because they don't, they don't value their life as much as, as the next person. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is because after I joined the military, then I, about two years after I met my now ex-wife right at the beginning of when I got into the military, uh, we got married, uh, we were married for a few years and I came out to her, And I, at this time I thought I was just a crossdresser and that was like a fetish that I had and everything like that. I came out to her in 2014 because something inside me finally bubbled up so much that I just had to, I had to let it out. I had to express that this is something that I've felt my entire life. And so when it finally came out, it was great. I mean, it put our marriage through a lot of, a lot of issues and we ended up separating a year and a half later
0: and so you came out at first as a cross-dresser
1: yeah yeah because like i said i thought it was just something that was more like a sexual fetish than anything else um didn't know if it was anything more than that um until i started to explore more
0: can i cut in for a second with the yeah are are you i'm sure familiar with the term uh autogynophilia do you do you ever get asked about that do you do you what do you think about that
1: yeah, people ask me about that. I've talked about it on a couple of different shows. Um, I have no issue with the term in and of itself um, because Does, it is a real thing.
0: It's, it I think means men it's, who get – doesn't it mean men who get off on seeing themselves as women? Am I right defining yes. that wrong? Well, okay. it's – it's. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's men who are sexually aroused by themselves as women. Okay. So it is a sexual fetish. Um which I think a lot of people probably might go through the process. And, and typically they're only, uh, I will go, go back for a second. Typically they are only attracted to women. Um, but it's really interesting because like for me, anytime that I ever had, you know, sexual fantasies or anything like that, it was always as a woman with men. So I have no issue. Maybe I had, have had autogynephilia. I mean, um, but I think a lot of people go through this and transsexuals go through kind of the same process where we think we're probably just crossdressers. That's the way it starts. But it started at an early age as we start to explore like going out into the world. So the way that the community used to set it up is it used to be crossdresser, transvestite, and then transsexual. So transvestite is kind of the intermediary where instead of just cross-dressing for sexual satisfaction, you cross-dress and go out into the world and try to pass, but you're not living full-time as the opposite sex. And then transsexualism, you actually begin the process to live full-time as the opposite sex. So when you're looking at autogynephilia, it it might start that way. That might be the way that it shows up. Mm -hmm but as you start to like for me i'm when i separated from my wife i started to explore i started to go out in public and pass that's almost when it became not about sexual gratification but it felt comfortable Mm -hmm. it's what felt more comfortable to me to live full-time female Um, and so when i finally got out of the army two years later i moved to atlanta again explored for a little bit longer but i was living every weekend as female because that's the way i felt more comfortable and and then when i finally came out to my family it was like an open door and i started taking hormones about six months later and so sometimes autogynophilia you can it's it's transsexual self-masking as autogynophilia but you're just suppressing the want and urge to actually transition but now with the new wave Era, it's not necessarily how it's happening. People are, you know, they're not seeking therapy to see if it's just that sexual urge or if they actually want to transition as a whole. It's more, you're probably trans if you have these desires. And that's, that's where the issues we're seeing now.
0: Yeah. So when did, when do you think about what time did that become common? Because we've also, yeah. I've been able to interview uh, Buck Angel before, who's a trans man. <laughs> he goes by Trampa. Which yeah, I, think is... I love him. I I, <laughs> I
1: interviewed him as well last year, and it was I love him so much. He is awesome, awesome guy.
0: And so one of the things he talked about was, you know, he opposes uh, transing children in terms of putting kids on hormones and and mm-hmm. hormone blockers and stuff. And he and he was talking about how. Uh, being one of the first people in California to go through sex change operation, or I think the first maybe, um, it was a long process of therapy and figuring out, is it, what, where, where's the root of my problem? Is that what yeah. it was like for you was sort of investigating all these different avenues? And do you, do you see any problem with the way that we are culturally, like as a society, how we're treating this issue now?
1: yeah absolutely um so for me it wasn't as much with the help of therapy or anything like that it was though working through it myself trying to figure out what this was um so was i just satisfied enough just dressing at home you know doing that and it was no um like i said when i kind of went started going out in public and everything like that and actually It it started, like I said, it just started feeling natural um, as as it happened. Um, I see as society right now, we have an issue with affirmation-only care uh, for Mm -hmm. children is probably the biggest issue we're seeing right now. Because basically, they're starting with this endpoint that you're probably trans and then trying to work through it to get there. Instead of starting at well, why do you feel this way? And trying to work through it with, uh, with, the, with the person. Um, this really started happening. I, I always talk about it because in 2015, if you remember, gay marriage was legalized in the United States. Mm-hmm. In 2016, this is interesting because I was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina at the time. Um, in 2016, Charlotte, North Carolina had the first, they were basically forcing businesses to allow anybody who, who self-identified into whatever restroom that they wanted to go to in the state of North Carolina took the bait and banned trans people from going into yeah. the rest, restrooms that they were, you know, presenting as if they were transsexuals. So, that caused the whole and and then so these kids are more they they want to fit in somewhere and so I think I, it's more like the goth, it, like the transition was like the goth to emo to non binary or seeing kid in there, seeing kid, non binary. But the difference between all of the other ones in this new crowd is they have activism at their back as well. So now yes. they're involved in something bigger than themselves, bigger than just who they're identifying as. And so they have this activism behind them. And so now they feel like they're doing something good. So it's even more of an issue for society.
0: Yes, that's an interesting way of putting it, the goth to emo to non-binary pipeline. <laughs> yeah,
1: I me mean, because what I me growing up it was it was the goth kids and then you had the emo kids and then it was yeah like I said the scene kids and then now it's it's and they kind of dress very similar. It's you know the different haircuts, but they all dress the same. So it's like oh, never wanting to conform to society, but conforming to your but, friend group.
0: <laughs> yes, but absolutely conforming. I was at. uh a a really cool thrift shop in Austin. Next time you come, I'll take you to this one. Um, It's like an antique mall. It's just one of those places with tons of booths. Anyway, my husband and I were in line in front of us. I felt like an old lady, because there's these three non-binary kids and they're waiting to check out and they all look exactly the same. They have the same haircut. They have the same hair dye color. They're wearing the same kind of clothes. They have the same tats and the same piercings in similar places. And they're all wearing a mask. And I was just laughing oh. to my husband, like, look <laughs> at these conforming non-conformists. It's sort of like like it's, they're putting it, on an outfit exactly. of nonconformity. <laughs> that's exactly it,
1: exactly. You can you can tell. It's like I bet that person identifies as they them.
0: Yes, that's probably I know what it Ahead is. Of time. Yeah. yeah. It's and when so- when
1: transsexuals, that's the difference. Is like we just want to pass and go move on. Like we want to transition, pass and move on. They want to be like Out there like this is who i am like and not conform to society so it's the exact opposite like the original lgbt are still very much in line um whereas it's the now i'm gonna say the nq plus because the non-binary queer plus that are the activist wing and they are not they're actually kind of erasing what it means to be lgbt anti like it, it, they're erasing what the original letters mean like they're self i mean now they're saying that men can identify as lesbians like that's that's what where it's at like if you're a non-binary you can identify as lesbian even though you lesbian is a binary term it doesn't make any sense it
0: doesn't make sense wait so they can they can say i am <sighs> a man who is a lesbian.
1: I'm a man who's non-binary, and I'm lesbian. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> it, like it, it's so, it's really it's, interesting. It... Ariel's done a lot of videos on on this type of stuff too, and so it's it's really interesting how they conflate these terms and they erase what these terms mean. I mean, as we talked about earlier, they erase, they're erasing what the word woman means with yeah. their with their nonsense. So they just it's like whatever you think you are, you can be, as long as you self-identify as such. And that's the issue that we have.
0: They're getting to a place where I think and I think this is where you can really see the influence of postmodern ideology, even though a lot of these kids now, when it gets filtered down to them through TikTok videos and Tumblr's and however they pick up gender ideology, it's become several places removed now from the the theory the postmodern theory but you can see it's still there and that it, it's almost it a destruction of all meaning a destruction yeah. of of what categories mean of what words mean so there's you get to this place where if you allow that con- to continue where you society can't function if you can't agree on basic definitions at exactly. some point it's going to break down
1: <laughs> exactly it's like if like what is i mean matt asked the perfect question on that interview like what is a woman and he said, "Well, it's not for me to de- define." It. He said, "But you said trans women are women. So what does that mean? Like, you you say something, but then you can't identify what you're actually saying. Like you you think that it's okay, and it's not. And I put it de- I put it out there. I actually wrote a tweet that said it just said definitions. Woman: the definition of a woman is an adult human female. Trans woman, male." With gender dysphoria, who transitions and lives life as a woman, mm-hmm. non-binary. It w- I forget exactly how I put it, but it was, um, it, it was something about being woke. And if they actually looked at the definition, it was all about sexist stereotypes. I forget exactly how I put it, but it was something like that.
0: Yeah, a <laughs> very that's how special person. <laughs> it's yeah, like, well, I think. Be- Go ahead.
1: Because, like, a lot of us, we. I mean, you'll hear me and all the other like trans act, trans people on our side that we say trans women are not women trans women are trans women and it's a very important distinction to make um it's fine to make this distinction i will never be female and so why is this an issue if i was born female i wouldn't have, i wouldn't be trans yeah. like th- i wouldn't have to go through that it's it's not something that's big and scary for me to say that i am male it's important for me to i can acknowledge that yeah um now i think where people get really rubbed about that and especially on the woke side is because there are people i mean if i'm treated as as a woman every day in society that's one thing people usually use she her everything like that treat me with very much respect um and so that's where they're saying trans women are women because i get treated like a woman every day but and, and that's not even the issue. The issue is, is when we're actually just having discourse online, and we're trying to make these distinctions. Like, yes. what happens actually offline every day in real life, outside in society, really has no bearing uh, on, or what we talk about online, really has no bearing in how you treat people offline.
0: Yeah. Have you started to notice a backlash? But and and I'll ask this because I think society was tipping to a place where it was more of a libertarian let live and let live what does it hurt me how you choose to yes. identify or or if you choose to live as a woman and and now i think we're getting to this place where the authoritarian kind of elements of the part of the part of the social justice ideology that's authoritarian that wants to control people has has really with its insistence on forcing people, I think is starting to create a backlash or already has created a backlash that might grow. Have you encountered any of that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, any, I mean, that's the reason why I have my platform. That's the reason why I have my channel. That's the reason why I'm out here doing this is because I've seen so much that that small portion of the community because we know it's not a large portion of trans people uh the large portion of trans people have transitioned and then go stealth and then never never really talk about it um but that very small portion of community that gets the recognition from media and everything like that that they create this perception of us so when they are creating a perception of us and the vast majority of people out there have never met a trans person in their lives so they don't know that we're not with this character that they have created of us. So yeah. for me to be out here and I advocate for more people like me to be out here because we need to show just general public that that's not who the, that's not who we are. Like we're not, um, we're not like that, but there has been even a, a, a big section or a small section now of the gender critical movement, which is kind of the, the ones that they call the, you know, that's, the left will call them TERFs. Yeah. So it's gender critical because we're critical of gender ideology, of the gender ideology that the left has created. So it's like the left they got the TRAs and the and the gender critical. Well, the very far side of the gender critical movement has tried now to deplatform platform uh, people like me, Buck Blair, um Mars and a whole host of other ones they don't want any trans people, they they say there's no good trans people, so we shouldn't even be platforming them. So there is this kickback from the very far yeah. social conservatives, and actually, most of them aren't even conservative, most of them are very fem Nazi social justice people, you know, too. So a lot of it's a fight on the left.
0: That's social conservatives.
1: Social conservatives, well, they may have they may disagree with me, um, they never called for me to be deplatformed, and generally. Other than nasty comments online, I get treated very well on person uh, by conservatives. I hang out in conservative circles because that's where I came from. I came from the right before I moved more libertarian.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting that you say it's mostly different parts of the left, maybe mostly fighting over this. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense to me because I think some of the gender critical, like third wave radical feminists, I, I kind of view you you know my background and this whole show is yep. about leaving social justice. It's about me talking to people about different aspects of social justice. And I view social justice as like a big umbrella and underneath it, you have the critical race theory and you have queer theory and gender ideology and all these different things. You have feminism. And so some people, sometimes to me, it seems like they wake up in one area and they wake up to part of this belief system, but they're still in the belief system in other ways. (laughs) So I I sometimes view that some of the, I guess the most aggressive, I would say gender critical people is like, they're still accepting a lot of what the belief system says about men and about patriarchy and about sexism and oppression but they're yeah. rejecting the trans part of the belief system or in yeah. Dave Chappelle's case, since I know you did a really popular video about yep. Chappelle's um, Chappelle's kind of awake to some of the stuff with gender ideology, but yeah. he still accepts a lot of the race based stuff in the belief. System. Yeah.
1: So even in his last special, he talked about, he said he wishes that the, uh, the black community, the people fighting for the black community could take a page out of the these no
0: <laughs> <laughs> no james no <laughs> well
1: he, he well he was talking because of the success yeah. that they've had yeah i know. know but yeah, yeah. you're right it, uh. it is he's very much got a got some leftist views but the left wants to cancel and for stuff like that it's really it's really interesting to watch them kind of eat their own i mean look what's happened with whoopi goldberg right now
0: oh yeah i've seen that they and they and will. S-
1: and so, yeah, she's talking. She, she the Holocaust comments that she made about not being about race. And so now they're talking about she got a two week suspension when Gina Carr- Carrero was fired oh, for no. much less.
0: Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know they had sus- suspended her. What they suspended yeah, from? Yeah, I
1: think that came out this morning. So her from comments the about the Holocaust. Yeah, the view the the view suspended her for two weeks.
0: Wow, that's um, it. yeah. I have that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But my opinion on that is like. I only read I didn't watch the whole thing in context I should watch it but the clip that I read a transcript of mm-hmm. uh it made sense to me what she was trying to say even if she said it clumsily which is yeah. and may, maybe 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 if I read the whole context I won't agree with her but in the short part I saw it was like this is the way I view it humans throughout history have have continually found a way for groups to oppose other groups and to dehumanize and scapegoat other groups. And sometimes mm-hmm. they do it on the base of race, like in the Holocaust, like and the, or the base of race and religion, like in the Holocaust. And other times they do it on the basis. Right now they're doing the basis of vaccine status, and they'll yeah. do it on the basis of anything. And then social justice does it on the basis of race. They'll, they'll do it on the yeah. basis of anything. And so what I thought she was trying to say, and maybe this is generous a generous thing, but I thought she was trying to say that underneath the race and religious issue at the root of this, you've got groups dehumanizing groups, groups of people dehumanizing groups. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's too generous, but I was like, well, Well, I I could be
1: generous with her too and say that she was confusing, um, the Jewish religion with the Jewish, um, the, what is it? The race of being Jewish. Mm -hmm. And, and so she said that, um, the Nazis were not trying to erase the Jews because of race. Well, they were trying wrong. to do it because <laughs> uh, well, that's That's yeah. what they tried to correct her on. That's where she had said that and and it was um, and so that's where she was gotten in trouble because she said it wasn't because of race. It was mm-hmm. based on religion and oh, everybody's like, um, no, they said it was on, on the race and I think a lot of people don't realize that they're like because a lot of people can consider jewish people to be white and i think mm-hmm. that's where people have issues and i think that's where she got in uh, trouble because she was saying jewish people are basically white uh, and jewish people are
0: no. jewish people yeah <laughs> okay if that's what i was okay if if the less generous interpretation is if she was trying to say it's not about race because they're both groups are white people that's no yeah <laughs> um but i am surprised that i was like off of twitter all day by the time this airs this will be old news but this is currently <laughs> yeah. happening and i was so happy i wasn't on twitter yesterday because i was i just kind of i'm like there's always some outrage and i don't really care um yeah she, but but to get back i do care about yeah. some of the outrages i guess i care about when i think they hit on something i guess i guess it's when i think they hit on something that's a growing problem and and one of the growing problems i see is this um is that gender ideology is becoming so pervasive and so unquestioned? It's a pl- it's it's like the science, trust the science, that yeah. it's starting to affect kids. That's my biggest concern about it. And yeah, we just had on my first guest on the show was Billboard Chris, who travels around the country, talking about how kids can't consent to puberty blockers. Is that yeah. an opinion that you share with him? Are you in the or do you
1: have a so? Type? I will say, because um, I've actually changed my opinion on this. Um, I've thought that puberty blockers could be a good thing. I th- always thought that they, could, they were being way over prescribed, though. Um, mm-hmm. Again, with affirmation only care, it was like as soon as you go in, you say I'm trans. It's like the, for, after one session, the, the therapist is like, we got to get your kid on puberty blockers. Well, that's not the right answer. As the science has started to come out more, puberty blockers does more damage than, than uh, what they originally thought. Originally, they started using puberty blockers because they've always used it for early onset puberty. So some p- kids that would start tr- uh, start puberty naturally at like eight, nine years old, they would put on Lupron until they were 10, 11. Because you don't want a ki- somebody who's like the size of a seven-year-old going through puberty. It's mm-hmm. That's not the right time for them to go through puberty. But they would get them to like 10 or 11 and then have them go through puberty at a normal age that like normal kids do. And it, it never stunted any growth and development or anything like that. Well, when you start to realize that if you start, if you stop puberty, it does stunt the growth and development of the brain until, you know, whenever you start, till you start it back up. So there has been studies that show that puberty blockers can lower IQ. Um So that does, that is an issue for me. Um, I there the studies that have always been out there there was always so there's the Lisa Littman study which showed that 80 percent of not gender nonconforming kids would desist and you know not be gender non-conforming by the age of 16. Mm. Um, now there's flaws in that study because mm. it was anybody who showed signs of being a tomboy tom girl anything like that but it was that um so it wasn't necessarily just trans kids that thought they were they were transsexuals or had gender dysphoria but the point of that is is there are about 20 percent of kids that feel gender nonconforming that would do um that would do well on puberty blockers or not puberty blockers but to transition or young um and it would probably help and we know that for those kids it probably would save their lives um or at least you mean help when you say with... to
0: dish, there's about 20 20 of kids who would do well to transition what do you mean do you mean like start living so, yes or i mean
1: dressing? so yeah so i believe um well i believe in um the old approach used to be watchful waiting which is allow your kids to explore you know if they start, what is it? um, Social transition before any medical transition for a number of years. So social transmission means absolutely living as the opposite sex, dressing, all that stuff for, and and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you've not medically transitioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they're they're mixing in puberty blockers with a social transition. And that's the issue that I think a lot of us have because we know that, at, after the age of 16, the detransition rate would drop to about 1.3%. Again, this is probably back in 2017 before all of this gender activism started. Mm-hmm. Um, because now we are seeing it being a trend. And so that number would jump up. I've actually been kicked off Reddit groups for saying transgenders are real. Oh, and- yeah. When the detransition rate skyrockets, it's going to hurt actual trans people because of the kickback, like you had said. Um, and those people on the left, they don't like that. But I can look at, I can watch like documentaries. Like there's a documentary, it's called Transhood on HBO. It's actually very, very well done because it shows kind of both sides. It shows a trans boy and a trans girl um, who, absolutely, you can look at them and be like, they are probably 100% they're happy in their own skin being who they are. They had one kid who was 10 years old and it was like his mom was forcing him to do it. And then Mm -hmm. it was another kid who was like four years old who ended up saying at the end, by the end of the video was like, no, I'm not. And then that mom basically went fully the other direction. Like trans people don't exist after she Mm -hmm was bought into her four-year-old son was a girl type thing. So it, it it's really interesting, but I think that there are very few and we need to figure out how we can find those few that would do well. Um, so but and I, to I, be I clear, how-
0: I want to correct myself because I realized okay. when I was quoting you, I said 20% of kids. And what I meant to say was you were talking about 20% of like of kids who say they're trans 20% of right.
1: those kids the 20% of the gender nonconforming kids that kind of have like tomboys tom girls any of those people that think that they might be the opposite opposite gender when it comes to being trans yeah so the, any, any of those 20 20% of the full spectrum of gender nonconforming which that, is only about half a percent when you really look at general society
0: right i think the issue There's a couple of things that we, you and I will definitely agree on now, which since you, I guess it sounds like you, you oppose now puberty blockers with kids. I do. I just don't, I don't, I don't support any, I don't support any kind of medical intervention when you're too young to consent to it that might potentially Mm -hmm. sterilize you or cause other problems. And, and I know there are some countries like Finland that have now banned it, which I think is interesting. Um, until you're until you're a, an adult um i'd have to think more about I, I here's what i see happening i see schools are now introducing this concept in the form of curriculum uh like the gender unicorn and what oh, used to yeah. be the uh gingerbread man or the gingerbread person oh, sorry <laughs> yeah gingerbread <laughs> man was offensive um and then, and so they're <laughs> introducing this to kids which any rational person can look at that and say, "Hey, we know that up until now, it was like a fraction of one percent of kids who were grappling with this. And mm-hmm. now, though we're telling all one hundred percent of kids in this particular classroom, for example, we're telling them that they have to decide that this is that not everybody's feels comfortable in their biological sex and they need to decide what their gender is, which is something different. and and doesn't a rational person look at that and say, you're now presenting 100% of kids with a problem that only a fraction of a percent used to have and now you're going to see yeah. numbers increase.
1: Yeah, you're seeing numbers increase because you do place that moniker in their head like it's almost like hypochondriac, right? Like you yeah. you go onto webmd and you're like I think I have cancer. You know, like for yeah. some small cold or something, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's exactly what they're doing. But again, I mean, our school systems are are more focused on cultural issues now than we are about teaching kids what they need to know all the stuff that parents should be teaching their kids. The schools think that they have a right to teach their kids now, especially when it comes to sex and gender. And I mean, the gender ideology that's being taught in schools is basically the CRT of the LGBT, you know, it's, it's very similar. It's in a lot of what, and if you actually look at some of these faith-based, well, and if you look at some of these uh, Reddit boards, a lot of people in these that are creating these ideologies are absolute communist. Like they that's why that's one of the reasons why they didn't like me, because I didn't go along with their common ideas in these in these spaces. And they're supposed to be for like helping trans people. But if you read some of the comments, it's like when they post news articles, it's very much communist propaganda yeah. all over these boards. So yeah. it's very much it's the same, it's the same curriculum. There's the same um tenets that you're pushing when you're pushing CRT and stuff like that in schools as well.
0: Yeah, it's like like social justice as this umbrella, and a lot of that ideology comes from you're calling it commie. Yes, it comes from Marxism a lot of it. It's yeah. sort of like the, it's just stuck its tentacles into all these different identity groups and yep. is animating them, like, but it's all for this
1: they they, this, they get so upset when you say, you know. LGBT people have never throughout history been treated well under communism. So why do you think that you would be different? (laughs) And then it's basically because they think that they'll be in charge. Yeah. Because they they are the voice right now that is running the show in terms of the commies.
0: Arrogance, arrogance, (laughs) also ignorance. Yeah. Hey, so I, I really want to thank you for, uh, coming on Deprogrammed and talking about oh, all these issues. I, I think it's really interesting because I know that there are a lot of I, I'm glad there are a lot of pe- different kinds of people who follow my shows now. The, there's conservatives and liberals and, and progressives yeah. and then there's also some SJWs who hate watch me. Hello! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, one of the things, when I was on your show, I promoted it and there was some conservative on my wall who got really upset and this is what I'm talking about with the backlash. And they're like, how dare you talk to a trans person? And, and I don't get that. I'm not with that. I'm not with that yeah. kind of. And I, I'm not saying that. I don't think that's the majority of conservatives at all. I think it's I not a, think so. a small portion of a more authoritarian kind of a part of the right. Or maybe, maybe that person was what you're saying, like a, a, a radical feminist part of the left. Who knows? But they were really upset that I talked to you. And I don't understand that. I'm never going to, on this show, if it's your first time watching, I'm never going to say, I refuse to talk to that person, unless they're a giant asshole. I don't have an interest in talking to assholes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, like, help me figure out why you're such a dick. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, but like uh, I told
1: you, I disagree with Matt Walsh, but I invited him on my channel. So I would love to have a conversation like that. We disagree on a lot, but I would love to have that conversation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. And then you can figure out the places where you disagree and you can figure out the places where you agree and help come to hopefully some kind of better understanding. So yeah. anyway, I just want, I wanted to say, I really appreciate you coming on here. Cause I think yeah. there might be some people who um, it's the first time listening to an interview with a trans person and they haven't. Yep. And like you said, they've their image that they've formed is based on people like, uh, oh, gosh. Who's that guy that got Megan Murphy banned? Uh, oh, <laughs> Jessica. Okay. Jessica something. Yaniv. <laughs>
1: I mean, now their perceptions are people like Leah Thomas, who I have talked harshly about in many interviews lately. So <laughs> I, I can't stand somebody like her who's using oh, yeah. her and is so narcissistic about who they are and competing. And if you don't know, that's the person that's competing at UPenn and, and and swimming and against biological women. So I can't stand people like her. And she's the one that people are getting this perception of who we are from.
0: Yeah. It's also, this is just something in case anybody's curious. And I want to know what you think about this as a trans person, even I don't, or as a transsexual, I'm not going to say trans person.
1: Yeah. Uh, Transsexual works great.
0: Do you, I don't, I've never really, I don't think too hard about the pronoun issue. It's sort of like, yeah. I don't even, because I I just think you as a, a her, that comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not even a big deal of trying to remind myself or something. It's just like, well, duh, Sarah doesn't yeah, exactly look like a man. <laughs> <What>? it, <doesn't laughs> even, it would be weird. It would be the opposite for me to force myself to say he. And so yeah. it, uh, I have just it's a personal choice thing and it's what comes naturally and I've just sort of uh, I've refused to use made up ones because I think that you're desecrating language when you do that and you're trying to push ideology when you come up with these new non-binary terms and I don't want to participate in that but I um, I don't have a problem using a pronoun that a friend wants me to use my issue is force. And my yeah. issue is dishonest people who, if I if I think you're you're using this issue to try and push ideology or to 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 behave like an authoritarian, like Leah Thomas, I'm not going to use your preferred pronoun. I'm going to yeah. call you he. Um, what is your take on this? Is it complicated for you? Is it not complicated? No, it-
1: I think I think actually it was in Blair White's latest video. She said, "I did not spend all this money and and all this time." to transition to be asked my pronouns you should know right. my pronouns <laughs> like it should be obvious to you now it's really it is really and, and, and if i'm not passing if somebody misgenders me it's usually a reflex thing they misgender and i'm like it just means i'm not passing well enough right that's like that's on me that's not on the person that's accidentally misgendered me and usually they correct themselves immediately and i'm just like it's cool it's, it's not a big deal um there are very few people that use like the they, them pronouns where I'm like, okay, I will respect your pronouns. I did a video on the, on the TikTok teachers. Um, and this person that came that they responded to one of these videos and was denouncing this teacher. So I was, I made it a point to use they, them for this, this non-binary person who was condemning this teacher who's teaching this ideology. So I will,
0: as a set of respect,
1: exactly. And and I think so. I'll have to. I'll send this to you a little bit later. But like Austin Peterson, um, who is a friend of mine, he actually spoke about it at Freedom Fest last year. And he said, because I'm a regular on his radio show, he used me as the example and said, "If you are somebody that enjoys freedom, you're not trying to force me to do anything. You're a good person. I will respect that." And he said, and he because I'm a, a regular on his show, he said, and he has me on and calls me she and everything like that. And he says that drives a social conservatives nuts when, when he has me on, because the, like what you're talking about before he said, so he respects people like me and we, sh- and as you, as we should, but if you are a communist and you don't believe in free speech and you are trying to force speech and you are trying to take away, you know, private property rights and all this stuff, then no, because I know you don't like it. So I'm gonna use anything I can to get under your skin, and I was like, that makes absolute sense. I mean, we've talked; me and him had the same discussion on my YouTube channel last May, and it's and and so I don't get wrapped around the axles as much about using the correct pronouns. I do use them because I think I look at my platform as trying to get the sensible people in the middle, and if I, as a trans person, am not am misgendering other trans people if somebody that's leaning towards coming to our side sees me do that and mm-hmm. sees me disrespect somebody like that they aren't going to be willing to come to my side. So, I see myself as a little bit different. I don't begrudge anybody else um on the right who sees it more like Austin sees it, you know, and So you're consciously no, I'm not going to do it.
0: You're consciously aware that some of your audience is is people maybe on the left who are being seduced by TRAs. Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah.
1: absolutely i see i see i mean that's that's my voice is twofold because i am trying to see trying to open people's eyes that are on the left trying to you know being seduced like social justice warriors and stuff like that that have been seduced by this ideology and then they start questioning so they go searching for a voice of the other side and i feel like i can be that middle voice because i don't i don't fully view the gender critical side the way that they think I should. And I don't view the TRAs fully the way that they think I should. Um, and I, I kind of come at most stuff with a nuanced approach. Like you were talking about children. I would rather see a lot of gatekeeping for people that are age 16 and over. If we were going to set an age, 16 should be the bare minimum of what we should do for hormones or any, anything like that. I don't believe in surgery until after the age of 18, but a lot of conservatives and and gender critical people would just ban- would would want a lot of gatekeeping even after the age of 18 and i'm more of a free spirit on that i'm a libertarian so i'm like once you're over the age of 18 i really don't care you have full yeah. bodily autonomy to do what you want yeah um,
0: and once you're an adult so, that's odd yeah. to me that people would be opposed Pe- people, to people
1: when i had surgery when i had surgery I had to get two letters for surgery. I'm like, I am 34 years old and I still have to get two letters from a doctor to tell me what I can do with my body. But this person over here can go get plastic surgery and get horns put in their head and they don't have to have any mental health evaluations. Like that's that's messed up to me. Like I should be able to have full bodily autonomy and be able to choose. So I'm more of an informed consent advocate if you're over the age of 18.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: From 16 to 18, heavily into gatekeeping on anybody in in that area i think there's very like i said before there's very few people that can um th- that would benefit from from transitioning at a young age but i don't believe in surgery until after the age of 18 no matter what which is I think, what we're seeing I think now. you
0: and i are kind of we're not that far apart i would i would yeah. wait on all hormones or medical intervention until after 18 just because you know we've picked an arbitrary age for other things like and we've made yeah. it 18 for whatever reason and and let's just leave it that it's like Got to wait till you're that old to get. That's just the way I view it. But you got to wait. Yeah. Till you're that old and to the get reason why I say 16. Or, yeah.
1: Yeah. The reason why I say 16, and actually, you can get, um, I, I got a tattoo at the age of 15 with parents' consent. So. <laughs> um, oh, you did? <laughs> you. Yeah. So you can do it. Always um, transgressing. I think at the age of uh, well, and then I got that I got that tattoo removed. So,
0: <laughs> what's left? But like there? I said, like I said before, it's
1: re- it's it's hard in this current climate to say sixteen because of how much of a trend it's become, and and it has to be very minimal now because it's become a trendy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but we do allow. 16 year 16 year olds are supposed to know the life and death comp con, consequences of driving a car, for example. The Age okay. of consent in most states is 16. I mean, so we do trust kids. And then, like I said before, as we know from older studies, is that detransition rates drop to about 1.3% after the age of 16. So you're never gonna get that number to zero, even if you move that number to 25. You're never gonna get that number to be zero. So I think um i think that it helps enough um, but it's really hard to advocate for when the current climate of what is it um with the current climate of mental health professionals and what i call um, activist therapists because activist there are therapist. a lot of activist therapists who are engaging in this and are fighting for trans rights even though um which kind of tells me they're probably not looking at the best interest of their, of their patients. So it's really hard to advocate for. And I don't know if that's the right answer. I just know that there are people that it can help because the longer you wait, the less likely it is you'll pass. Um, if you wait till 18 for some men, I mean, for men, you will get more people like the it's ma'am lady. And so society has to become a little bit more oh, open think... about people that are male attempting to pass as female if that's right. if we if we moved it to 18 but um it's it's a it's a really hard discussion to have like i said it's hard for me to advocate for because i do think it can help but how do we do it in the current climate i don't know
0: yeah this climate is pretty crazy it's all or nothing i am um... <laughs> yeah I, uh, I wanted to thank you again for coming on and talking about these issues and then just what are some other things you're interested in talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you, I know what it's like to go on shows and, and there's like the one story people want to talk to you about, like the the story of you, right? And I've had yeah. that usually when I get invited on, they're like, tell me about leaving social justice, which is fine. That's what I want to talk about mostly because I think it's really important and I want more people to leave it before things get too bad but um yeah. but it's always interesting yeah. when people go off script and, and, and ask me about other things So what's something <laughs> else you're interested in?
1: what am I what else? Um, so it's really interesting because yeah being the trans topic is probably my least favorite topic to talk about because but I so I again I started my my channel to talk more about libertarianism, liberty movement mm-hmm. politics and stuff like that. I wanted to make it like that but understanding that, I have a unique perspective on the trans issue. Um, it's, it's important that I do talk about that. And if, you know, and so I have no issues talking about it, but yeah, I mean, politics, liberty movement, you know, ending the war on drugs. Um, we can talk so, liberty many, so movement. much, so
0: <laughs> Why don't you tell people about, I mean, this is another question I usually ask libertarians when I get them on is, is, um, what's wrong with you guys? Like, why haven't you, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Why haven't, why hasn't the libertarian party become a viable option? I'm, I'm in my early forties and I'm just now learning more about libertarians. Why is that?
1: Um, well, one, it's messaging. Um, two, it is the two party system has completely suppressed anything that we can have. For example, um, like it takes twenty thousand signatures in a small district to get on on a ballot here in um on a, on a to run for U.S. House, so ballot access is probably our biggest fight that we have right now because it's hard to get on a ballot where we have to get twenty thousand signatures. The duopoly only has to get like one. You know, it's 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 not really fair. But that's part of the messaging issue is is we libertarians hide behind those those challenges and say, well, we can't, we just, it's just not a fair fight from the beginning. So you might as well not vote for us. That's kind of the way it sounds to most other people. Um, Libertarians have an issue with saying that, or letting people say that we can't win elections Mm. because when it comes to sexy elections, like the presidency or Senate, you know, the federal elections that people see, um, we have not been as successful um Shane Hazel did got five percent or three point five percent of the vote last year here in Georgia, and he was the person that everybody blamed for the Republicans losing the Senate so mm-hmm. apparently libertarians are super influential even in a state where the runoffs happen because that's what happened it, he went they went to a runoff so then the Republicans lost in the runoff um, but I think. When Do you, you think- look across the country there's over 300 libertarians um, elected to public office a- across the country. So while the sexy elections are more about getting out the message, uh changing stuff at a local level, getting elected to local office is really what we're fo- is really what the focus is heavily on. Getting libertarians running in every election that comes up, at least having one libertarian running. Like here in Georgia we have a lot of people running for office this year. Uh, We have um, my friend Angela, who's running against Marjorie Taylor Greene up in District 14. Um, My friend Shane Hazel's running for governor. Um, Chase Oliver's running for Senate. But then every single state election, we have a Libertarian running. So we're trying to do the work. Uh, But Libertarians will continue just to, instead of getting out and actually doing the work, um, they will continue to nest and start fighting each other and say, we can't win elections. And, and then, so when you look from the outside, you're saying, well, why would I even want to be part of that? If they can't even win, people like to be winners, So if we can't win, then what are we doing type thing? So our messaging is probably, probably the biggest issue that we have.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there might be something also innately there where you've got people who are more live and let live and don't, want to necessarily have power that they lord over others and so yeah. they're less <laughs> motivated maybe maybe then i think your... no that's that's very yeah. true
1: it is i mean people as much as people hate authoritarianism they think that you need authoritarianism they can't get past this wor- like world without a government um mm-hmm. which i'm i'm a minarchist so i'm not an anarchist in that sense but um
0: can you define i think that's where min- minarchy for people so
1: minarchy is again it's it's essentially um anarchy which is absent of any government where minarchy is the only thing that a government provides is national security so like you have a standing army because I, I think i think if we had full anarchy we would be in a perpetual state of Afghanistan of where we're always in conflict with another country trying to take over and establish a government here. So at least have set up to where a national defense force to defend the borders um, from outside invaders. Other than that, um, the only other thing that a government would provide is kind of a court system to have um, like, non-aggression principle violations between people you would have a court system set up to basic like negotiate between the two parties um that were one was so like a person felt like somebody had um committed a violation against them they would take them to this arbiter arbiter and they would work it out there type thing um, so
0: would there be, how would you, how would you, I've asked this question of my co-host on Safe Space before, Carter, um, he's a, he's a uh, ANCAP, mm-hmm. and I still don't c- quite understand how he thinks it would function, how would you do, would there be a police force, like if somebody murders your brother, yeah. do you, you take them to some authority, or?
1: It's, yes, it's the same type of thing, um, except for it's all privatized. So you have a business, they would, I mean, you, you basically, yeah, you would privatize a police force. I mean, as a community, you would still come together to fund like stuff like a police force and, you know, fire department and all the stuff you need. If it's essential, the community will actually fund it. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need a government to force taxes out of people's pockets to do it. Um, And like, so Larry Sharp, uh, talks about, like, um, even people want to ask about roads. Well, don't you think that main- maintenance of roads or police forces, like, companies, like, like, major corporations, don't you think that they would be more willing to, like, sponsor police forces um, for protecting the citizens? You just put like their logo on the side of the car or something like that. Like that's the type of stuff that it would be. We sponsor you. So as long as you're doing the right things, we will continue to fund fund this protection for us. Mm -hmm. In in some ways it it could be. Yeah. I mean, um, but it's more about sponsorships of those essential services. And yeah.
0: So like a
1: nonprofit, like it would be the same way as like a nonprofit would work.
0: My concern immediately goes to what if the corporation sponsoring the police force is like Apple, and you start doing a blog about how Apple uses slave labor in other countries, and then the police force comes after you. <laughs> but corruption can happen at the government level, too, so it's not Ex- like it's... Well- well, yeah,
1: they could, they would come. They could come after you, but the community again is what's kind of funding it. So if they came after you, the community would not fund that 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 security force. They would actually go out and get a different security company to do the policing. Yeah. So there's competition between security companies.
0: Interesting. So how long have you been? How long have you been like not fitting into the main political the the two party system? How long have you been a libertarian? Um,
1: so, I was I was in the army. I see. I was a Ron Paul libertarian. I was a Ron Paul Republican. Actually, more of a Tea Party Republican because the only thing I, I didn't agree with Ron Paul on was foreign policy. So I, I agreed with having more of a military presence overseas and around the world. After doing about five years in the army, so this was about 2015, I started to realize like learning military strategy and military history and global foreign policy history, I started realizing Ron Paul was right about everything. So that's, and then around that same time we elected all these tea party members to office. And then once they got into office, they never did what they said they were going to do. Like I was a constitutional conservative. And so I wanted smaller government, lower budgets, and they were voting for big budgets and bigger government. And so that kind of just pushed me out of uh, the politics. Um, I was on board to vote for Gary Johnson in 2016. So that was the first time I would have voted third party. Um, But even then he went too crazy down the rails and I, I I jumped shit from there, but I still didn't vote for the two party system. Um, And, but Joe Jorgensen in 2020 was the first time I ever voted for anybody because I voted for, um, I voted for Mitt Romney or was it Romney and McCain. I voted for both of them. And Wait, so Joe
0: Jorgensen was the first time you voted for anybody who was libertarian? Is that what you mean? It was,
1: it was the first time that I voted for anybody outside of the duop. Yeah. Anybody that was, cause I, I voted Republican my whole life. Um, and so, no, so Joe Jorgensen was not the first time that I voted for somebody that wasn't outside the system because 2016 was. But Joe Jorgensen was the first time I don't regret my vote. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mitt Romney, John McCain, and then um, I wrote in Evan McMullen, which is now like a socialist comedy. And I'm like, and he was running in the Constitutionalist Party in 2016. Um, I regret all of those votes. But Joe wow. Jorgensen is the first person that I have not regretted my vote for
0: (laughs) all i know about her and the reason i couldn't vote for her and this is when you know the democrats had pretty much lost me because they had gotten so woke and i was leaving woke but i couldn't vote for her because there was something she said online i can't remember what it is now but i knew she she said it's not enough
1: to it's not enough to be anti it's not enough to be anti-racist you have to be actively anti-racist
0: yeah, she said something woke, and I said, okay, goodbye. That was the tweet that got.
1: <laughs> that's the tweet that pushed a lot of even libertarians to not vote at all.
0: That's, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I,
1: I mean, I really enjoyed her. Um, that was a comment that I just I, – yeah, it was very much a woke comment. And she was, like, siding with BLM. Like, she mm-hmm. used the hashtag, I think, BLM in that, and then she clarified that she – doesn't agree with BLM on the organization but the sentiments that be BL, like black lives matter but in and right. but the damage had already been done at that point i actually spoke with i talked to spike cohen on my channel about this um when i interviewed spike um a few months ago and spike cohen was was joe jorgensen's running mate so uh we spoke about it and um he actually made some pretty good points about it but it was enough to push people away, which was really unfortunate because that's how fickle libertarians can be sometimes, too. It's like one thing will set you to where you won't even vote, which is, again, why we don't get higher percentages in, in elections.
0: Why doesn't – I just I just re-watched the movie Election. Have you seen that movie with Reese Witherspoon?
1: No, it's, I haven't. It's,
0: it's kind of an old movie now. You should watch it. It's about a high school election, and she plays – someone I will describe as a sociopath <laughs> running for president of the school council. It's a very good movie. Um, but there's one candidate in it named Tammy who runs for president and her whole campaign speeches, who cares about this stupid election anyway, vote for me. And all the first thing I'll do is dismantle the student body government so that none of this even exists and so vote for me or don't vote for me don't vote who cares and the whole student body <laughs> erupts and <in> cheers
1: <laughs> yeah
0: why is it why isn't the why why don't the libertarians just come out and say something like tammy said
1: <laughs> well we do that's the thing is like um a lot of us do we just say look i'm running for office i want you to do it do what you want as long as it's not doing as long as it's not hurting anybody else you can you know live your life and do what you want why is that such a big message like i you should have full bodily autonomy but that's the that's the interesting thing is most people when you start pushing full bodily autonomy so we hear it all the time with um vaccines and stuff right Mm -hmm. but then if you say that the government shouldn't the government should still have you know drugs be illegal like you shouldn't be able to do certain drugs because the government deems that possibility even when you look at certain hard drugs and you say no those should be legal too because you have free bodily autonomy people start putting in lines people don't Mm. want full bodily autonomy even though the war on drugs has been epic failure and um and has only caused more gang related issues yeah um people still that's where people think no we have to have a government to to still do that yeah it's their line of what they're comfortable with um like I, again, even when I talk trans issues and I say that I think if you're over the age of 18, you should be able to do with your body as you please. And you shouldn't have to be gatekeeped by a medical professional that's with a diagnosis. If you're over the age of 18 and conservatives will be like, no, you, you can't do that. And all this, they'll, they'll have all these different reasons for morality like that, but you can't legislate morality. And I yeah. think that's where we as libertarians look at stuff. You can't legislate morality.
0: I think the and left, you, go ahead.
1: Oh, and, and so people are – so the left and right will both say you're um, – they don't – people – they don't think that people are responsible enough to take personal responsibility for their actions, yes. and that's where we have the issues that we have when it comes to that stuff. Is, so they all kind of think that we can legislate morality, and so the left and right where they're pro- they're both the same level of authoritarian sometimes – but on different issues, like yes. the right wants a theocracy and the left wants, you know, Marxism.
0: Right. Yeah. I think I've, I started to see that when I was younger and I was, I was, a, you know, I was a lifelong Democrat until 2018. And I was in that social justice cult for about 20 years. And it was easy for me during all that time to look at Republicans or look at people on the right and say, oh, they don't understand the difference between morality and legality. And, but now it's, it wasn't easy for me to see it then, but I can see it now. It's just as much, Mm -hmm. if not more rampant on the left in our current, where we're at currently, the left is the same way. They want to tell you Mm -hmm. this should be illegal because it's immoral, because I think it's immoral. You shouldn't be able to refuse service. Uh, You shouldn't be able to say, I'm not baking a gay wedding cake because I think that's immoral and unethical. And so it should be illegal. No, it shouldn't be illegal. (laughs) (laughs) They should be able to say no even if it's immoral like in and, and and so they both they both want to do that and 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 uh i think it's getting to that place of saying like the government maybe it has to do with this whole the fact that the government's gotten so big anyway and now we've culturally yeah. become conditioned to looking to the government to solve all our problems it's like no some things are a matter of personal responsibility it's not the domain of the government to figure no. out whether or not you should have um an abortion or
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe maybe it is at a certain point i'm, well, I'm gonna yeah. get in trouble with some of my more conservative people here but i personally think maybe this is you can tell me if this is a more libertarian perspective or not but i think abortion i've gotten to a place now where i de- i think abortion's immoral
1: mm-hmm. i think
0: it's i think it's murder but the legal definition mm-hmm. of murder you've got a like the only scenario I can think of, where where one person's life resides within another person's life and is dependent on that other person's life, and so how do you protect that life without tell without saying that the government has the right to tell the woman what she has to do? And and I don't think the I don't think the government has that right. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's immoral if she chooses to abort? Yes, but do I think that the government should be able to prevent her? Here, here's where I'm at right now. And my views are, are they're in flux, but I kind of think it's sort of, if that baby can survive on its own outside the womb at that point, I don't yeah. think why, why abort when you can deliver, yeah. but if the baby can't yeah. survive and it's, unfortunately, I think it's like for the government to go in and say, you can't do this. Like, yeah. So I'm,
1: I'm similar. I'm in, I'm in a very similar place as you. I have always been, uh very pro-life um i'm one of these people that i'm okay with like the heartbeat bills and stuff like that because then there is plenty of time to take care of any issues before the baby actually has a heartbeat and so mm-hmm. that's one of the things that libertarians will disagree on it's it's a um it's a contested issue it's there's no consensus really among libertarian groups now the um i believe that the lp is a pro-choice um organization i don't know their actual i don't know what their stance on it is i know that they have a written stance i but libertarians it's all in when you make the choice that it becomes a nat violation or a non-aggression principle principle violation It's kind of the same that the libertarians have the same fight that liberals and conservatives had because some people see it as not a life and it's the woman's right to choose, and some people see it as a life and it's murdered the same way as you and I see it. Um, Now, my issue on abortion is I don't think we're ever going to see a change on it, and it's such a divisive issue. I don't typically Um, talk about it or worry too much about it. I did do a video on the Texas heartbeat bill, um, Mm -hmm. but it was very short. And I, yeah, it just causes so many arguments amongst people that it's like, and it. are we ever going to see a change? Probably not. I agree that, uh, I agree with you. It's not a moral, it's one of those things, like if you think it's murder, then, we should treat it like murder, uh, type things. And it's not a morality issue. It's not a, yeah, it's not a morality issue at that point because you, we would treat it the same way that we would treat a murderer. Um, so, which a lot of people would see as harsh because that baby's not born is not viable yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I have, I have, um, yeah, it's one of those issues that I it's, don't really get too much into. And people either.
0: usually can't talk about it because they get so passionately inflamed on either side. So yeah. I appreciate you even letting me bring it up because I know people, it's like I just wish with some of these issues that there's like you said, there's never gonna be where there's never gonna be resolution on it because people can't even have conversations without yeah. it being like, Well, you're a murderer, well, you're a misogynist, where well, you're well, a you well, think you're about. That. And think
1: like, about it this way, and I made this point too, is that I'm pro, again, being pro-life, conservatives are going to have to get really cool about LGBT adoptions really fast to deal with the influx in children if they were to ban abortion. So I, would, I think a lot of people would say that they would rather a mother abort the baby than put them into foster care and, and had the state take care of them. So there's, there's that argument as well.
0: Oh, then put them in foster... Yeah, that's...
1: Well, but then, if because, I mean, a lot of social conservatives don't agree with LGBT adoptions either. So, that's... There's issues there that they have to kind of... So, how how do you square up that if you ban abortion, then um, there's going to be an influx of children coming into the world? Where do you put those children if those parents don't want them? They say adoption, but there's not enough parents out there that want to adopt these kids except for in the LGBT community. So how do you like how do you where do your more where do your lines draw at that point? Right. Like are you more for abortion or are you more for LGBT adoptions?
0: I'm having to imagine who this person is in my head so I don't know what they would say because I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but I will say I think that uh I think when it comes to something like I mean, this issue of abortion again. I, I go back to not everything is in the domain of government, and for people who believe that it's immoral, I think we have to do a better job of of changing the culture and getting to a place where women themselves are saying, "I don't want to risk getting pregnant. I'm gonna I'm gonna practice safe sex because I don't want to. If I'm not ready for a child, I don't want to have have to cross yeah. that bridge." and Someone, I'll say this as someone who, um, you know, I became social justice in my in my uh, late teens, early twenties at college, and the messages I was getting was it's no big deal. Like culturally, the messages I got were women will deny this, but a lot of women do not practice safe sex because they view they view abortion as as, as a form of birth control, yeah. as no different than, and 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 no moral no moral issues involved. Um, and that's not the way I view it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's also, it's really hard for me to speak on it because it is more of a morality issue for me to speak on it because in order for me to have a child biologically, there has to be steps taken to actually get somebody pregnant via IVF. Like that's the Mm -hmm. only way because I stored sperm before I even started hormones. Can you even do that accidentally? no no that's what i mean there is no way to accidentally impregnate somebody
0: i'm sure there's some lifetime movie where that happened accidentally
1: oh we use your your yeah i don't know um so it's i mean that's what the, the both sides are gonna be like why are you 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 don't have a And both sides will tell me i don't have a right to speak on it because i'm
0: Oh well that's I, nonsense. <laughs> I'm so tired of people saying your identity gives you a right or doesn't give you a right. That's so stupid. It, it, look, it, it if you hear that, if you're if so if you're new <laughs> to this channel and you and you're hearing people tell you you don't have a right to talk about this, it's a woman's issue and you're a man, or you don't have a right to talk about this it's a woman's issue and you're trans or or whatever, or you don't have a right to talk about this because you're white. That's nonsense. Personal, your personal life experience is just one of a myriad of things that should be weighed when you give an opinion. There's also, there's also how, how strong your arguments are. I mean, I look at someone Mm -hmm. and I say, um, like for example, if a man gives me his opinion on whether or not a woman should breastfeed. Okay. The fact that he's a man, I weigh that, but I also weigh, is he a doctor? Well, that means something too. And does, does he have a lot of experience with this? Is he a dad? Has he seen the effects of breastfeeding and not breastfeeding? I'm gonna give it some weight to that too. Yep. Is he a giant butthole? <laughs> like is he a mean person that I shouldn't trust? Like all of these things come yeah. into play. Yeah, I don't absolutely. just go, man, not listening, you know.
1: Absolutely. Oh,
0: sorry, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> I'm ranting on my own show.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's good because I do I, I hate that type of stuff too, because it's like why. We all should be able to have opinions on, yeah. on anything, whether it affects us or not. Because because it is a morality issue, but it's a societal issue, you yes. know, like, um, is it wrong to point out that Planned Parenthood was established by a known racist? I mean, you know, um, Margaret Sanger was a known racist eugenicist. Like, she established Planned Parenthood, put them in minority neighborhoods as a sort of black genocide, it's very well documented. So is that worth mentioning in this debate? Yes. And it does it matter who it comes from. Absolutely not.
0: Correct. There's a documentary. um, You might know the name of it. I'm blanking on it. It's the Planned Parenthood. It's it's about the Planned Parenthood um, clinic director who ended up leaving and is now a very loud voice for the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. And... I think it might be called unplanned. Um, anyway, in that documentary, or no, it's a it's a fictionalized account of of her story. Um, and in that movie, she talks about how, or she shows a scene where Planned Parenthood is treating abortions almost like sales figures. And so the argument, and I've read some interviews with her as well. She, the argument she's making is that how can it be something that you you view as, um, as something that needs to be rare when you approach it from a perspective of we get money, like with sales, every time we do one, let's get those numbers up. This clinic yeah. had great numbers this year, you know, and it, and it, and there's this incentive to perform more of them. And that's something I think that needs to be talked about. I wasn't Aware of that, I bought into. I was the yeah. naive person who, for a long time, bought into the lie that, like, oh, Planned Parenthood doesn't want there to be more abortions; they really wish there were fewer. They're just there to provide yeah. it when people need it. No.
1: Yeah, no. It's and and that is true of any of these businesses that we're seeing. I mean, j- we could move it over into the COVID discussion and the vaccine discussion, and say, do you think that they would pref- they would actually? give us the perfect vaccine that would end COVID, or do you think there's a little bit of incentive to keep this pandemic going to put more money in their pockets and develop more vaccine upon more vaccines? There is never going to be the perfect vaccine because there is a a monetary incentive to keep this going. And that's it, folks. Last video you'll ever see on my channel. (laughs) No, I actually, it's okay. interesting. I talked about this with Siraj Hashmi um, back in December and we we had this discussion um and it's still mon- that video still monetized. So, oh wow, okay. <laughs> I know I'm surprised that that video still monetized. Fingers we talked gross. about this.
0: You and I talked about trans but, issues and abortion, but now it's like COVID. But but, but, <laughs> you want to talk, but
1: you can you can look at the big pharma issue and because there's a lot of stuff even being put on it in terms of trans healthcare. Um that there is an incentive to make this a trend into, because it gets big pharma more money in HRT, it gets surgeries, more money for doctors. So the trans healthcare debate is is another one where it almost incentivizes to make this more um, trendy to be, to have, you know, to transition and, or to take some of these, um, you know surgical routes and and everything because it makes people more money like there's been people in the past that have said invest in trans healthcare um, stocks because it's going to be a 5 billion dollar industry yeah. here in a few years yeah. so when you look at that you you look at dollar signs and it's the same planned parenthood again going back to planned parenthood planned parenthood is one of these places that does informed consent hrt as well they're not just doing for per- they're not just doing um women's care they are giving um a place for um trans people to get their hormones as well yeah Gender, and so yeah. you you see that and I, I mean they're one of the few places that does which i don't mind them doing that because i agree with informed consent if you're over the age of 18 but they're i don't know if they're necessarily doing it over the age of 18 because when you look at planned parenthood as well especially in like places like california they will give girls birth control without their parents consent so are they giving hormones without parents consent yes. or doctor consent so that is that is where we have a lot of these issues as well even when we're talking trans healthcare um, in terms of monetiz and, and it and it all stems from the monetization of healthcare procedures and it's, yeah
0: it's turning i mean the population to these sort of permanent permanent patients who have to keep going Mm -hmm. back and spending money, consumer patients. I saw a headline, I'm gonna bring this up just because you mentioned it. This headline from December, eight top Pfizer and Moderna shareholders are now $10 billion richer after media hypes the Omicron danger. And that's just from Omicron, the one phase of this whole thing, that $10 billion more in their pockets. And if you look at some of the shareholders, like the top Pfizer shareholders include the Vanguard Group, and BlackRock, this is an order yeah. of how much they own. Um, also, top two owners in that same order, top two shareholders in the New York Times. I, I get to this point where I'm like, it's, it's almost comical like a movie <laughs> where you've got these people who have incentive for yep. certain narratives to be put out there who are in bed with the pharmaceutical and in- industries and in bed with the media companies and their businesses making money so well
1: that's BlackRock is they're the biggest investor and all this stuff they're the ones that are buying up all the houses right now to make it more of a renter society as well yeah so you start to see yeah BlackRock is an issue that is kind of flying under the radar but not even just not even i would like i would like to see some of the individuals because uh what was the first company that you had mentioned um vanguard
0: the Vanguard group.
1: And I, I believe people like Nancy Pelosi are invested into the Vanguard group. So when you start to it look sounds, at- yeah, it Sounds plausible. Yeah. Well, and I, I know, because I brought this up in December too, because it came out Marjorie Taylor Greene, who fights against these vaccines, is invested into Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, like if you look at her stuff. So it's like you're, you're, you're invested, so you're making money off of it. But So what are you really doing? Yeah, like in Congress.
0: Yeah, it, that's interesting.
1: It, the hypocrisy is is kind of amazing when you look at and again, that that's the type of stuff that pushes people away from conservatives when you actually look and see a lot of that hypocrisy. Um and I think you'll, because that's what pushes people away from the left. You see that they're not genuine; that they have an ulterior motive. So when you see the conservatives doing the same same thing, and you came from the left, you're like, "Wait a second. And I think that's what pushes more people to be more libertarian. Yes, I actually, it's it's really funny when I go to a libertarian group here in Atlanta. Our state chair, we were, um, we were hanging out, and most of the people at the table came from the left. Um, our left, are were more, more. They were Democrats before they became Libertarians. Our state chair actually, he made it a point to point out, like, "Sarah, you were a conservative before, right?" I was like, "Yeah." And the people at the table look at, it like, "Wait, the trans person at the table used to be a conservative." Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> it just blows people's minds sometimes.
0: <laughs> I love flying it. By the way, I'm sorry, I looked distracted. I was, I was looking it up to see if Pelosi. Uh, is an investor in oh. uh, Vanguard Group, and I haven't found the answer yet. But if 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 anybody, by the time I put this out, I'll let it flash on screen if we're right or not so that it's not left unchecked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Um, that works. <laughs> yeah. So Cole, when you're doing it, here we go. Put it right here. Yep. Yes or no. Um, what I was going to say is I like that you're sort of, you can be a, um, you can sort of fly under the radar because and in certain situations because people make assumptions about you i'm sure we talked about that a little bit when you're hanging out here in austin oh yeah so people make assumptions about me and my friend uh, mystery chris who who does a show with me they'll because i i guess maybe sometimes because of the way i dress or what I, I don't really look as much like an sjw as i used to but they'll still make assumptions but and even my neighbor was like oh i thought you were a leftist because you dress kind of funky like you live in austin like <laughs> what? No. but people make those assumptions and they'll make them about uh chris because mm-hmm. he's black and i i assume they make them about you if they can tell that you're a trans woman yeah what is that like are there any funny stories of just people assuming the wrong thing it's, for whatever reason?
1: Oh, no, that typically just happens online. They say transsexual yeah. and they're like, Oh, this person's probably, probably a good person to talk to. Oh, I, when I did my Dave Chappelle video, because I actually, it was, it I, I did the video. Like I was shocked and outraged and the, Title was Trans Woman Reacts to Dave Chappelle. And so many people came in there like with their perceptions. They came in and they met and their comments were I came in here fully expecting you to like be against Dave Chappelle, have all these issues with this, and they were, like I'm pleasantly surprised you Aww. weren't. So yeah. it was like it's like that type of stuff. When you look at my content, when I'm reacting to stuff, it gets big views. Again, when I, when I did a trans woman reacts video to the Leah Thomas situation, same type of comments come in. And it's like, I was fully expecting something completely different um, about it. When I was on slightly offensive last July, um, I, there was quite a few comments on there. Like, you know, they, that people on there were fully expecting me to be this, far lefty trans person come on there and they were like I don't agree with Sarah on a lot of stuff but at least she can come in here and have a conversation without you know screeching about it and Mm. I think that's where a lot of the I get comments like that all the time but it's interesting too because I do a video about a trans person or something like that and I still I get the comments in the section like it's he why are you calling this person a she like we were talking about pronouns earlier Mm. people leave those comments in my comment section I'm like I'm a trans person. You really think I'm going to just go out of my way to misgender this person? Like, do you not realize, like, do you not watch the video and find out that I'm a trans person?
0: <laughs> mm. Or just, Hey, you do you. I do me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, uh, uh, those comments are just funny. Have it, you it, ever thought of just doing a funny, like a spoof video where it's called, where, where the subject has nothing to do with any trans issue? Like, um, reviewing uh, a new movie or something and and like a trans woman responds to (laughs) the new peanut butter (laughs) I
1: haven't haven't thought about that title no but that is funny
0: And then it has that, nothing that to do because you prime people to think ah you know, it's going to be something about transgender ideology in this peanut butter and you're like nope I'm just telling you what I think of the peanut butter. That's a good <laughs>
1: idea. That's funny. I I should do that because I do I talk about all this other stuff on my channel. I just uh, I just don't put those headlines in there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, you could, a trans woman, but you got to turn around like that old viral video of the groundhog. You know, the surprise. that's one thing I started trying to do is doing
1: more, doing, uh, doing better intros to my videos. So, um, like the Dave Chappelle one, I think I was like, I watched the Dave Chappelle video, so you should too. And then I was like, y'all thought I was gonna say, so you don't have to.
0: Ah, <laughs> like, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Like
1: my latest one, the latest video I did was on the whole Joe Rogan controversy. Um, with everybody and i and i I started i was like i I think i said uh i was like neil i was like neil young removes his stuff from spotify i was like you know um i think that's too bad you know sweet caroline was a good song and i look (laughs) off to the side and i go wait what's that that's not him (laughs) (laughs) oh that's neil diamond who's neil
0: (laughs) young (laughs) you know (laughs) i like that kind of humor (laughs)
1: <laughs> so that's why i I always try to do something that's like a hook at the beginning of a video now like that's one of those tricks i've, I've started to learn <laughs> My be a little bit me more funny the
0: funniest thing one of the funniest things i saw with the whole spotify joe rogan thing and it was a, a fake headline that said yoko ono threatens to upload all of her music to spotify if they don't get rid of joe rogan and yeah. it made me laugh so hard because i just watched recently sometime in the past couple months if you haven't seen it, you need to go look up uh, on YouTube, look up Yoko Ono doing a cover of Billy Joel's Big Shot. Oh. <laughs> and it's the music like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 But it's her and the microphone just going, <laughs> 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 just screaming. And then it's like at an art gallery and there's people standing around like, mm-hmm, this is good. Yep.
1: <laughs> That's it's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um oh. Sarah, I've gotten way off subject, but uh <laughs> I'm going I want to talk to you again. I want to have you we want to have you on Unsafe Space to hang out yep. with us some Friday. Um why don't you tell people again where they can find you online if they want to check out your podcast or follow you online?
1: Yeah, so um YouTube.com slash Sarah Higdon. Um, and then it's so on Twitter and Instagram, it's Sarah Higdon with an underscore after it. Um, and then you can actually go on to Sarah Higdon.com and it has links to all of my stuff. So whether it's rumble odyssey, I'm on all those platforms. I also have Apple, Apple podcast and Spotify podcast. Um, so you can pretty much find me anywhere. There's also links to just like, some of the radio interviews that I've done with Austin and I had a, a uh, op-ed published in the libertarian Republic talking about rights and stuff like that. So um, if you go to Sarahigdon.com, there's a whole links page that has all my stuff that I've done. That's about it.
0: Tigers barking and freaking out at <laughs> the mailman. Hold on. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Sarah, yes, for, giving us your time today and your insight and your story and i hope everybody goes to check you out and i I hope i get to talk to you again soon
1: yeah thank you for having me it was so much fun always love to talk to you cool take care